This is this is this is the Bottom Bends podcast. Oh yeah! Hello and welcome back to the Bottom Bends podcast. Um, I know it's been away, folks, uh, but we just wanted to have a wee bit of a break over Christmas and into the new year. Um, spend a bit of time with our families, and to be honest, folks, we're just a wee bit burnt out. So. Look, we're back, and you have us now till the end of the season. Where we'll hopefully be covering at least one to two games, um, per game week, um, for you for now until the end of the the Premier League season. But this episode, something a wee bit different. We're just going to do um a mid season review. Um, we did one of these sort of at the start of the season where we looked at five things that we had learned from from the big sides, and we're pretty much going to do the same thing again here, where we're just focusing solely on on the bigger teams. Um. So I think best place to start, lads, is is with Liverpool and first. Um, sort of a shock um, this season for, for Liverpool to be top of the Premier League at this stage. We're now 21 games in, so just over halfway. Um, I think everybody expected after the treble season that City were going to come out flying, but they've sort of slacked off a little bit. So, Oren, I'll come to you first then. Did you expect Liverpool to be up right at the top of the Premier League this season? No, absolutely not. Um, and you know, looking back at a few of our reels from from at the start of the season, every single one of us predicted United to finish above Liverpool based on last season. And uh, don't mean confused look there, son. You were one of them as well. Um, I don't think I, maybe, I think I might have put them above. No, you might have put them above it in your in your table prediction, but in the, in this specific reel that I was watching this morning, all three of us. Oh. Said that we ex- we didn't ex- we expected Liverpool to get top four, but we expected United to finish above them, and we said that United had a better squad depth than all on them. But yeah, it's just uh, it's went tits up. But Liverpool are doing very well. Um, I don't know if their signings have necessarily helped them too much. I know Sabalzle has been very very good, but um, their midfield signings, I wouldn't say they've jail particularly well and they're still top of the league so you know it's Jurgen Klopp as well Jurgen Klopp's uh, one of the best managers in the world and he's, he's known for getting his teams playing good football so yeah fair play to him but and I would say the burden of um, Europa League football and not necessarily playing the top teams in, in European football has had um, I, I, you know it's beneficiary to them as well um, but no fair play to him Bollocks to them, but fair play, <laughs> I know it is. It's it's hard to give Liverpool any praise, to be honest. But I suppose when they're sitting top of the league, it is it is a bit more difficult to, to argue against them. Um, Connor, they've only lost one game this season in the Premier League, so Klopp always has this way of showing that you know even after such, I say a poor season last season, you know he probably did well enough to get them to finish where they did last year from the position that they were in this time last year. I think, you know, this time last year, they were sitting 10th or 11th um, and still managed to finish in, in European places. So, look, obviously, he's not a miracle worker, but would you consider what he's doing at the minute to be some of the best work um, of his career, perhaps? Yeah, definitely. Um, even if, you, as Orn said, the, you know, the signings maybe weren't the signings they were expecting. Uh, they were in for Casado and Lavia and players like that. Your boy Endo's done okay for them. I think he's been good enough in midfield. Um, but yeah, Klopp's pulling off miracles. Like they're conceded the least amount of goals in the Premier League, and they've lost Mata for the year, and they're still 
pretty solid at the back. They lost Robertson to injury. Um, you know, they're sitting there, they're playing like Connor Bradley, who's very young. A troll man, a good shout out there, but a troll man. And uh, he's he's even impressed. Like, that's the thing about Liverpool and City. I've said it for a while is it doesn't matter, new signings or not, that every player that comes into that squad seems to improve. Um, we did say, I, I would have just, I would have said that at the start of the year. I said United on paper had a stronger squad. And I've been wrong about that. Uh, I've seen that actually their stat. I was like, Liverpool have had 30 goals off the bench in all competitions. Which is just mental. That is some going, you know, boys like Yata and obviously, like even if you look at it, like Nunez hasn't been good this year, but they're still getting wins. They're so good at home. Salah's been unbelievable. I, I Salah has been for me the best player in the Premier League this season. Uh, Fourteen goals, nine assists, just a top player and probably like all time team. You'd be looking at him in, in it now, and I think this probably might be his last last year. And he is he has been unbelievable. That that would be a concern for Liverpool. Missing him because even they played Fulham uh, in the League Cup and they didn't look as good. And also against Arsenal, they were very lucky. They you know they just parked the balls and countered. I thought were, he was a massive miss for them. If players like Diaz can start performing, and you know Yata, Nunes, Gakpo, even they could definitely they definitely can win this title. It, it's just going to be City just look like a like a different animal, you know. Once the second half of the season starts for Liverpool, though, if they can keep this up, you know they're guaranteed top four. Europa League, they're looking good. Their League Cup semi or semi final, and in the FA Cup still. So Klopp is just unbelievable. That's why I put him as the twenty twenty three manager of the season because he has yeah. some turnaround from as you said this time last year. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, I, look, I I, w- I would agree. Um, with 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 what both of you have said um, as a whole. I think Liverpool have maybe been a wee bit of like a, a surprise package this season because I certainly didn't have them finishing as high up in the league. You know, I thought they would definitely come in the top four, but for me, they were the, the fourth best team um, in England. I, I didn't foresee them being top of the league at any stage during the season. Um, so I would agree with both of you. I, I do think that Klopp's really sort of pulling up trees there, and and um, he's he's definitely he's definitely just showing the caliber of manager that he is. Not not that anybody here or anybody listening to this podcast would ever doubt his credentials, um, but I think this season especially is just highlighting just how good of a manager he actually is. And um, I agree with you as well, Connor Mohamed Salah. He's far and away the best player in the Premier League. Far and away. Um, his goal contributions this season and his overall effectiveness on the game and I think even that's something that, that maybe goes amiss you know people do want to talk about the goals that he scores and the assists that he provides but you know his actual performances on the pitch have been a lot better he's, he's brought a lot more to his game I think he links play much better now he's almost like a driving force he's a catalyst for Liverpool's attacks you know he has really become the main man at Liverpool without Firmino without uh, without uh, the Sadio Mane, sorry. Um, he has really stepped up and he's number one. He's the man now. Everything goes through um, Mohamed Salah now at Liverpool. Um, Oren, just quickly, um, before we move on from Liverpool, um, do you think that they'll go on and win the league? Um, personally, no. Um, and it's not because I don't think they've got the ability to do it. I fully think they do. But, you know, Man City's got Kevin De Bruyne back and they're about to have Erling Haaland back. I think that just changes the league completely. We've seen it with City the last three seasons where they haven't necessarily started the best and they've won the league all three seasons. Yeah, City, in my opinion, is the best team in the world. And I don't think I don't think that'll be any different at the end of this year. 
yeah, listen, I, I think that's fair enough. Connor, what about yourself? Do you think Liverpool will go on and win the league? No, I, I totally agree with Doran. I just think the second half of the season, they're getting De Bruyne back. Uh, they're getting a few other players back. I think Kanji will be back from injury and uh, obviously Erling Haaland. I just think they'll be too strong. Their squad depth is, is very, very strong as well. Yeah, no, look, I, I, I'm in the same boat as you guys. I still think City's going to come strong here in the second half of the season. But on the off chance that City don't, I do think Liverpool, well, I mean, they're top of the league, so they are in the, the best position to go on and win it. You know, if City were to have a stinker second half of the season, I do think Liverpool are probably right in there with a great chance of winning it. Um, but for me, no, I, I'm in agreement with with the two, with the yourselves, lads. I, I think City will probably come strong here in the second half of the season and they'll, they'll probably march on to win the league. Um. So we'll move on to Arsenal. I think they're they're a good place to go to next. Um, okay, lads, not really the season I think that Arsenal fans expected. Um, you know, I was listening back to some of our very very first episodes from the season, and you know, Connor, you were consistently saying every week about Arsenal. You've not been impressed. Um, you know, you were saying the the football the style seemed to have changed a little bit. Um, players like Martinelli weren't and and Odegaard especially were not getting as heavily involved in in pushing Arsenal further up the field. Um, Oren, look, they're not that far away, um, but what do you think has been Arsenal's biggest um, biggest problem this season, really? Hmm. Um, recruitment, to an extent. Um, you know, I know everybody was buzzing about the Declan Rice signing, and I'm not saying he's been poor, but um, I think they're missing that real leader in the team. Um, you know, Granit Xhaka, I think, has been a bigger miss than most people actually think. Um, not just on the field, but also in the dressing room. Um, and I know he wasn't their captain. He was at one stage, and obviously there was that big fallout. But last season, I think we can all agree he was one of the more consistent midfielders in the league and definitely one of the better performing midfielders in the league. Um, but, you know, there is a lot of factors to it. Um, personally, I don't think Arteta's the manager that the media seem to be as well. I think Arsenal have a very, very good squad and I think, you know, you could throw a bum in there and they do all right as the manager of Arsenal at the minute because Arsenal's youth talent, especially, or young talent rather, is exceptional and up there with the best in the world. Like I've seen, actually, that transfermarket.com, the top 10 valuable players in the world, like four of them's Arsenal players because they're all so young and have so much potential and are already playing out of their skin. Um, look, we haven't seen it from Martinelli and that this season, the same as we've seen last season, but same as City, these players can just turn it on. And if they do decide to turn it on, Arsenal could definitely go on a run of games. Like, this is a very fine line of a title race. There isn't much points between first and, like, fifth. Like, Spurs are on, like, 40 points, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they are. They are. That's, you know... The, Spurs haven't been good at all, but, well, sorry, from the start of the season, from what everybody was expecting, and then Van de Ven got injured and um, Madison got injured, but now they, these boys are coming back. It's so open. Um, and, like, Arsenal's definitely not out of it because of how tight it is, but it just hasn't clicked the same way that it did last season, and I think it comes down to per recruitment, to be 100% honest. Okay, I think that's totally fair. Totally, totally fair. Um, I mean, even if you look at some of their signings in particular, like Timber, he lasted 10 minutes on a Premier League football pitch. And look, I know that's not his fault. He, he ruptured his SEL. There's nothing really much he can do about that. But like in that 10 minutes, he was on the pitch. 
it's probably the best 10 minutes of football that Arsenal have played all year. <laughs> they, they were so expansive. Um, but unfortunate for him, really, and unfortunate for Arsenal. But I completely agree, Oren. I think underperformances this season are massive um, for, for Arsenal. Connor, a lot of talk in the media um, was that Karen Benzema might come to the Premier League and that Arsenal would probably be the front runners. Um, I seen a stat the other day. Um, I think Saka is their top goal scorer this season, but then Jesus and Martinelli have only scored like seven goals combined in the league this year. You know, it's near worse than Rashford and Hoyland for United. Um, it's crazy. Uh, so for a team that we're expected to really push on and, you know, win the league as such this season, do you, do you feel like that, you know, clinical goal scoring number nine is the key piece that they're missing at the minute. Definitely. They're crying out for a, a center forward. They can get them, you know, that 20, 25 goals. You see it was like, I know Salah's not a striker, but he's getting them the goals. Holland's going to get City the goals. You need that player that's going to get you the 20 goals if you're going to win the league. I think we said the same last year. Uh, there's been a lot of drop-off this year. Jesus has been really poor. I, I said, like I did, I didn't warrant on the podcast, but when he was at City, I have a mate who's City fan, they said the same thing to him. I said, you won't win the Champions League with Jesus because he's not clinical enough. He can't finish big chances and it's being shown. And I have mates who are Arsenal fans and they're fed up with him. Uh, they, they know they need a new striker. Uh, Eddie Nketiah has only, I think he's their second top scorer, five goals. And I think he got maybe a hat trick against Luton or someone like that. And he hasn't been performing. Uh, you know, you look at their, I watched them against West Ham. I thought they were rubbish. They, they don't create enough. I think Arteta, I would agree with Thorne. I don't. I think Arteta is very overrated manager. Like, you know, he done re- he done well last year. That a big lead that completely collapsed. Uh, and this season, you know, I I was saying it from you know early early on. I said, you know, their luck's going to run out. They were getting lucky. They were beating teams like Luton, and you know there was other teams that were beating just by pure luck. Even against United, I was not impressed. Uh, I thought they were lucky to beat us that day. And you just look at some of it, like Havertz has actually been okay, but he wasn't what they needed. They needed a striker. They didn't get one. And they're going to have to go and get like a Benzema. But I, I don't think that, apparently Benzema's not going anywhere, but I, I would worry if I was an Arsenal fan, even to watch them against Fulham, uh, New Year's Day, I think it was, they were poor. And even against Liverpool, I thought that was the, one of their better performances, but they couldn't finish. And they got beat 2-0 in the FA Cup. So for Arsenal the season... I just I don't think they have any chance of winning the title, and I think their season could really, really collapse soon because if they get put out of the Champions League, if they lose another game or two, their season's practically over. They're out of the FA Cup, they're out of the League Cup, and if Arteta, if they get like third or fourth, and you know Arteta hasn't even competed in a trophy really, I think his job will be on the line early next year. Yeah. Uh, no, listen, <laughs> how many times have we said it on this podcast, you know, football is ultimately a results business and what you would say about Arteta at the minute is, you know, the results have not been swinging in Arsenal's favour. I mean, to go out of the FA Cup so early, granted, yes, it's Liverpool, but, you know, to not even, like you said, Connor, to not even compete in a cup competition as such, Um, I think it was West Ham that put them out of the... Uh, League Cup earlier on this season as well, and I totally, totally played them off the park um, at Upton Park that day, or the London Stadium. Um, so I agree, Connor. I, I think, you know, if they, if they exit the Champions League now in this next round, he, he could be under a bit of pressure, you know, he could. And, you know, the Arsenal board might look to get maybe a more a more household name in through the door uh, that might kick um, Arsenal on. Um, I mean, they had a fantastic manager a few years ago, and 
didn't uh, didn't wait it wait it out with him. So I think that's the perfect segue into Aston Villa lads and Unai Emery really transforming uh, the fortunes of, of Aston Villa this season. They have been nothing. I, I, I can't find words to describe how good they've been this year because um, I don't think it would do it, do the job that he's doing justice. Oren, again, similar sort of question to, to the Liverpool one. Are you surprised that Villa are as high up the league as what they are? Um, No, not really, to be honest. Um, You know, if you told me last year whenever... Unai Emery was appointed that they'd be in this position this year and that position and the position that they finished in last year. I would have told you to do one. Do you know what I mean? But considering how they finished last season and started this season, no, it doesn't surprise me. Um, they've got a great squad, and you know it's it's very much that sense of they're a team rather than a bunch of individuals like our beloved United. To be a hundred percent honest, you know. Aston Villa mightn't have a superstar in every single position, but at least they'll play for the badge, they'll play for the for the club, they'll play for the fans, and they'll play with each other. Um, and that's the foundations of any good football club. Um, you know, Villa have spent a lot of money over the last five, ten years. They have. They've spent a lot of money, and um, recruitment hasn't necessarily been fabulous for Villa, but the signings that they have within their squad now have worked. And they have to just work on their recruitment for the next couple of years. And they could really be a dominant force in England again. And, you know, really push for Champions League qualification every single year consistently. That's probably the job for for Villa in the next few years to keep this going. They've improved so far. Look, the season's only halfway through. But they've improved so far on their seventh place finish last season. They're in Champions League qualification. You know, they're in that arena of it anyway. Um, it doesn't look out of the realms of possibility. It looks actually quite likely. But they've still got a howler in them as well. A few inconsistencies and all as well. And that's that comes with them not at this stage of the at this stage of the Premier League them not being an established Champions League qualifying team. But their job now for the next few years is to build upon that foundation that they have set. They need to stick with Unai Emery no matter what happens. They could go out of every competition. They could finish 10th or 11th this season. Not that they will, but they could. And they still need to stick with Unai Emery because his vision is clearly working. Um, they can't they can't do what they've done in recent years and just sack the manager after a few bad results. Um, but yeah, there, there's in terms of this season and where they are now, no, it doesn't surprise me. Um, they're a very, very good side. And a long may I continue because I actually quite like Aston Villa. Yeah, look, I I feel like Villa is maybe going to be like Newcastle from last season. Um, I do feel like at some stage there is going to be a bit of a dip in form and they might struggle to score goals or they might, you know, concede too many goals and lose a couple of games on the bounce. But it's really going to be how they respond to try and get themselves back into, into Champions League contention. But I mean, there's no doubt they've been one of the standout sides in, in the Premier League this year. You know, I, I dread to think of going to Villa Park to be honest because at home especially they they will cause every single team in the league bother like and they have the ability to play any side in the Premier League off the park to be completely honest especially at home Connor Ollie Watkins again has kicked on he's having another phenomenal season uh the third top scorer in the Premier League at the minute um 
look, you know, we 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 have the debate, um, and we did a couple of times last season. You know, between Tony Kane, Watkins, especially coming up to World Cup time. Sorry, Callum Wilson as well in that bracket. You know, we had the debate about who were England going to take as Kane's sort of backup. Um, obviously Tony hasn't played, so we haven't seen him in, in a while. Um, Wilson's been quite inconsistent at times this season, whereas Watkins has has undoubtedly been one of the biggest goal threats in the Premier League this season. Um, are you a similar sort of question? Are you surprised with how his development is is going under Unai Emery? It was, yeah, kind of. I was. I have to admit, I've been totally surprised by Villa. I'm pretty sure on the like the second week of the podcast, I slagged them after they beat five one to Newcastle and said they were going to have a terrible season. So, yeah, with Ollie Watkins, you know, it's this all-round game. You know, nine assists, nine goals for a striker. That is insane. Uh, he's been absolutely brilliant. And as you said, under Emery, he has, he's reached another level that I, I didn't know if he could reach. Obviously, he was a top player before Emery got in. He was still playing in the Premier League scoring goals, but he's just hit another level now. And even like players like McGinn, Douglas Louise, like I've seen Douglas Louise have six goals, three assists this year. McGinnis five goals like they're you know we're, we're talking about Arsenal Saka's their top scorer with six goals they're midfielders and they're contributing that to the team that is huge I have to give credit to Villa they've been brilliant but I do feel like they will drop off the second half of the year because I think even you know the last few games I watched them a wee bit against Everton they're really impressive to watch that was the first nil-nil Emery's been involved with in the Premier League. It's something like 90 games, which is mental. They do play really good football, but I do think teams can get at them. Uh, even against United, they were 2-0 up. And most sides, I even think, you know, even Luton could have held on a, a 2-0 lead against United. But they kept going with this attacking football and they were missing a few players. I think their squad depth is a bit weak. You know, your boy Longley from, from Barcelona, I really don't rate him. I think I said it before, I really don't rate him. And he's getting games now because of injuries and stuff. You know, for Villa, I think the worst they'll do is probably come like sixth, but I think they will drop out of the Champions League. But I just have to give them credit because I've doubted them before and they've proven it wrong. And I've seen the 43 goals this year, which is the third most in the Premier League. Like, that's insane for a team like Aston Villa. So, full credit to Villa. And do you know what? I'm like, Orna, you have to, yes, you enjoy, you enjoy watching them and they're, they're a really good side to watch. And, you know, at home, as you said, I think United play them in the next few weeks. I am not looking forward to that because at home, they're arguably one of the best teams on form in Europe at home. Them and Liverpool, I would say, they're the two hardest places I think you can go at the minute. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Completely agree. It's uh, Villa at home are just a different different animal. And I think their, their recruitment, as Oren pointed out earlier on, especially this summer, though, was just absolutely fantastic. You know, Pai Torres has been excellent for them. Moussa Diaby has been excellent for them. Those additions really kind of stamped them and, and moved them forward a level, really. They were Champions League caliber players coming to play uh, for Aston Villa, who were in the Conference League. But you can see that the ambitions there from Villa. Villa want to get right back up to the top. They they, they want to be, as Oren said, a, an, an English football powerhouse again. And with that particular manager at the helm, and if the recruitment keeps going this way and they can manage to keep picking up results, I, I don't think they're that far away, to be completely honest. Compared to all their sides in the league, I think they're much further along in their process than, than, than other sides in the league. But we'll move it on from Villa, lads, and we will go to Ange Postacoglu's Tottenham Hotspur. Again, as I were in, uh, alluded to earlier, their start to the season was absolutely magnificent. You know, listening back to our 
think it was our third episode of, of this season, we had covered the Manchester United and the Tottenham Hotspur match, where really United were actually quite unlucky to get beat that day, but we all came away from that game with the same statement. You have to give credit to the team that takes their chances. And ultimately, that's what Spurs have done this season. We're seeing players like Richarlison performing to probably his best. We're seeing Son right back in it. I knew Son wasn't going to have another season like he did last year. It just wasn't going to happen. World-class players push through those those bad breaks in form. But Oren, you obviously have watched a lot of Celtic under Postacoglu. And we did sort of talk about that in that episode that you were saying, listen, I'm not surprised here. This is exactly the football that Ange plays. The only thing I would say, Orn, is are you surprised at how well it's translated to the Premier League? Um, not necessarily. Well, there's elements of his game that I'm, I'm surprised have worked so well. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. His high line, you know, he's, he's playing right up to the halfway line um, sometimes. And, you know, I'm surprised that that hasn't been exploited as much as it has. Um, you know, we've seen it a couple of times in a few different games, but, you know, he does play a very high line every single game. And just with the pace in the Premier League these days, um, like you just mentioned, um, your man Diaby from Villa, he would absolutely cook on a high line like that if he got the right ball. But yeah, it hasn't been exploited as much as possible. And that comes down to his regimented training, of course. Um, yeah, I really rate Ange Postacogli as a manager. People think his career started at Celtic. Hans Postecoglou was a very, very successful manager before going to Celtic. And he, he, he'll be a very successful manager since leaving Celtic. Um, But yeah, Spurs, it, it didn't surprise me the, the style of football. I was worried when they lost Harry Kane, as I'm sure Spurs fans were as well. I was worried, but um, no, he's, he's made it work. He, he said after Kane was sold that you know he was preparing for his, for his exit. So... Um, he, he, he was thinking ahead and, you know, that's what the great managers do. And hopefully, you know, not necessarily for Tottenham's sake. I've no real affiliation to Tottenham, but I do like Ange Postecoglou and I hope he succeeds. Um, and, you know, this style of football will succeed with him. His recruitment was fantastic. You look at the deal from uh, Madison and Van de Ven, who I mentioned earlier in particular. Um, you know, both of them players are on top, top form. It's unfortunate that Madison is, is injured at the minute, but... Even the transfer fees paid for them. I think it was a combined like seventy five million for both of them, and that is absolutely insane. That's less than one Harry Maguire. Do you know what I mean? And then even Adogi last year. Now it wasn't um, Postecoglou signing, but they signed him last year, put him out on loan, and he, he he's starting now for Spurs this year, and he's a very very talented fullback. I think he's getting the best out of Pedro Porro as well. Pedro Porro's got so many assists as well. Um, He's, he's been fantastic, both attacking. And you know what? He's really improving defensively too. And credit to the manager for that. He's, he's obviously helping him in that area. And uh, no fair play to him. And yeah, it doesn't surprise me that Spurs are doing so well. So no, uh, Orne, I completely agree with you as well. I think, you know, Adogi, Poro, arguably... Arguably two best fullbacks in the in the Premier League this season. Um, very hard to get at from a winger's perspective, and their output this season is just crazy from fullback. Um, Connor, out, out of the three of us, not that you've ever been down on Spurs, but you're always quite realistic. Um, you know, with when you're talking about Spurs, and anytime you are a wee bit down on them, you always do back it up with good points. But look, I am just wondering with the start of the season that they had and how they've managed to maintain this Champions League push. You know, has your opinion swayed on on Spurs at all? Yeah, definitely. The the style of football to play under Ange has been fantastic. I thought he would struggle coming from Celtic. Uh, I've seen Celtic a wee bit and they play 
very attacking football, so I was thinking they're going to get countered. We bit what Orange said, like there'll be players of the quality in the Premier League that would, you know, take advantage of these high lines and pressing from the front foot. But I've been wrong. Uh, even as you said, like Son this season has been fantastic. Twelve goals. They're one of the highest scores in the league. Even though they do concede a lot of goals as well, I think they've conceded over thirty goals. They do play a brilliant style of football. And you know, as I said, like even on Sunday there when they're playing United. You know, they, they dominated the game and they were the far better team and they're missing five or six of their best players. And it's just infuriating to watch as a United fan. Uh, as you said as well, the signings this year have been brilliant. Madison, who's been missing, you know, once he comes back, I think, really, I think they will get top four over Austin Villa because I think the players are getting back. You know, Son's going to come back from the Asian Cup and a few other players. Uh, like even Bandon Curry, I, I thought he was a big miss last year and he's come back from injury and I think even he's improved the side he scored there at the weekend. Uh, he's a top player. Uh, Basuma's away. You know they're they're missing Sars away, but when they come back, I think they're really going to push on and get top four. And I just I have to admit it, I was wrong. And even Richardson's starting to hit form. And they've brought in two signings. They brought in a centre half and a striker because they know that's where they're weak, and they know they have a chance at Champions League football. While other teams have done nothing, like Arsenal, United, they haven't really done anything in January. They know they have an opportunity, and they're going to back their manager because he is getting results. And for me, I've been down on Spurs, uh, but I have to I have to say, even after even before Sunday, they're 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 a good side, but they do have a blip in them. That's why I think I think Ange came out and said they were still title contenders, which is nonsense. They're not not at that level yet. You know, they're not going to fix that in a year, but they're definitely because even think about Bright, like they played against Brighton, they got played off the part. They have that in them, but they're definitely going to get. I think they're definitely getting top four. Yeah, I agree. I, I think they're definitely going to get in, in the top four as well. They're a really, really good football inside. Um, I think the recruitment's been excellent. Like you said, Connor, they're, like, they're actively making moves in January to try and patch um, holes in their squad. Um, I think Werner, I think Werner's an interesting one um, because I think he was a player we were incredibly critical of, um, you know, even just amongst ourselves whenever he played in the Premier League. And I think it'll be interesting to see what he does with him. What position does he actually play? Does he occupy the central role? Does he play more out on the left-hand side like he did against United? It is interesting. This Dragosin, the centre-back, is, is one of the most promising young defenders in Europe. And after the signing of Van de Ven, I probably would have no qualms that Dragosin's going to come in and be an instant success there. Um, and I know there was a lot of top teams that were linked with him. So for Spurs to be able to go out there and get his signature is a massive statement of intent from them. So look, fair play to Spurs and... Um, you know, obviously in my house there is that that affiliation with Spurs, so I, I do wish them um, all the best for the rest of the season. Um, but yes, we'll move on, lads. We will go to um, Manchester United because um, I think this could be a, a longer portion of, of this podcast. Um, look, it, it, in a word, it's been a shambles really this season. Um, I, I did not think we would be sitting where we're sitting. Um, and to be honest, even with the points tally that we have, we're not completely out of the top four race yet. I mean, performances-wise, you wouldn't look at United and say that they're going to get in the top four this season. But I know mathematically, and if other teams do sort of dip off around them, there is still that outside chance that, that we might, might, might creep in there. Uh, but by no means is it a, is it a given. Or in, look, United have had massive injury crisis this season, um, but... There's been a real sort of shift and turn almost on the manager. Maybe not from the supporters, but definitely from the, from the English media. Um, a lot of people say it is the most scrutinised job in football. It's the hardest job in football to be the Manchester United manager. But could you have foreseen what was going to happen this season? 
Mm, no, I couldn't, to be fair. But um, I'm not... <clears throat> I'm not too critical of the manager. I'm not necessarily... It's it's a tough one. Man United's a tough one. Because I am, out of us three anyway, I'm the optimistic one. You know, like I, I think... I still think we'll get top four. And I do. Um, now that we've got the players coming back, I don't think that's unrealistic. Um, I, I think that a lot of the scrutiny towards the manager came at a time when I would say five out of his, his normal starting 11 was injured um, and he's had to make do, you know. And don't get me wrong, there's been some glimmers of promise come from them injuries as well with the likes of Copy Manu coming into our starting 11. You know, if there wasn't that many injuries in midfield, who knows if he would have got as many chances. I know it was always a plan for him to come into the team, especially after pre-season. But who knows if he would have got as many chances to prove himself um, like he has done so far this season. Um, but And it's no disrespect to this player. Um, I'm talking about, I'm going to talk about Johnny Evans. It's no disrespect to him whatsoever because I actually think he's been phenomenal this season for Manchester United. And you know, everything he's been called upon to do, he's done. But, um, you know, realistically, Johnny Evans should not have been signed for, for Manchester United this season. He should not be a Manchester United player um, for the first team anyway. Um, I, you know, he, I know he was very much signed to go and do his coaching badges while playing the old game in the cup and helping out the youth. That was what it was outlined, even in the Manchester United statement when he was signed. And I think he's made the most appearances out of any of our defenders this year. Um, you know, we've had 19 different combinations of a back four this season. Um, so that consistency isn't there even within the starting 11. So how do you expect consistent results? And that's what I would say to all Manchester United fans. How can you expect a manager to do something with what he's got when, with, when what he's got is that? Do you know what I mean? Even the likes of Rashford hasn't kicked on. Manager dropped him, Garnacho started playing on the right wing and he's, he's made an instant impact out there. Um, and now Rashford's starting to come back into form. Um, Hoyland's getting a few goals, where, you know, has two goals in two Premier League games now for Hoyland. Um, I think in the next few weeks it's going to be crucial. I'd say the next three, four games for Manchester United will decide their season. If they can win the next four league games, and I know they're tough games, that will show the calibre of Manchester United because we've got the, the majority of them players back. Um, you know, there's a chance in the FA Cup still. Um, I would like to hope we'll get through Newport. Um, but, you know, this season you actually do never know. But um, I'd like to hope that's a, a nice way uh, bypass into the fifth round anyway. I'm not too worried, to be honest. I think... It's unfortunate. I do think Eric Ten Hag will be sacked just because of the new ownership. I don't personally want him sacked, but I think because of media pressure and recency bias, I think he will be sacked. Um, and I think they'll bring in... I think they could genuinely bring in Eddie Howe from Newcastle, to be honest. Um, I think they're looking at an English manager. It'll be him or Potter. But um, hopefully not. I hope they stick with the manager. Hopefully he gets a loan signing of a striker. Um, I don't care who it is, he just needs somebody to, to help Hyland up there because he can't do it all on his own and Martial is absolutely useless, I've read so many reports that he's been exiled from team training and everything as well but look, 
next few games will depend will, will determine Manchester United's season. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think these next sort of three four league games are incredibly important for for United. Um, yeah, look, I, I think you know I I, I am like you, and I, I really hope the manager's not sacked either. Um, you know the 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 sections of supporters that did turn on him during sort of that start of November period, end of October, you know, I, I think that was just incredibly silly, to be completely honest. Um, you know, turning on the manager like that after he, after he had done so well in the first season. Now, does that mean I think he is, you know, devoid of all criticism? No, I don't, to be completely honest. I think, you know, you look at Ange at Spurs, who we've just talked about, you know, he had massive injuries and still managed to, you know, play the same style of football. And, you know, we're watching a Manchester United team that I don't think any of the three of us could name the style of the style of football that Manchester United play. I don't think we could name sequences of attacking patterns that we've seen multiple times in a season. Um, Connor said it excellently a few weeks ago. You know, moments FC, and and I think that's what Manchester United really look like at the minute. They're hoping and praying that individual brilliance carries them through football matches, and it can't continue. That that's not a sustainable way to play football. Um, Connor, look, Hoyland, uh, obviously big money signing in the summer. He's come in. We were at times this season very critical of, of United's recruitment and it looks as though January, as Oren said, you might get a lone striker in, but there's no promise that that even happens as well. You know, United could, could go through January and not sign a single player. Um, w- would you say that recruitment has been, you know, one of those bigger factors that has led to this, to, to this Manchester United season thus far? Yeah, it has been. I don't think you can blame... Hoyland anyway, 20 year old striker, you know, as we need a striker in there to, you know, a bit of experience to help him as well. You know, a lot of pressure on such a young player uh, to come into United and start performing. But you look at the other signings like Onana has been so poor. Even the, the second goal, you know, he's just on his knees. Like, I just don't know why. I don't, I know why we signed him because we try to play this, you know, better football pass now from the back. But now we've just completely thrown that away. That That's not even happening at the minute because we don't have the players. I know we're missing players as well through injury and all, but 24 goals this year, that's embarrassing. You know, you said either are scoring like 48 and we're half of their goals. That is shocking stuff. Scott McTominay's our top scorer. You know, we're bringing him off the bench, hoping he gets a goal. It's just, it's a really, really poor season. And, you know, some of the blame, yes, goes on the manager. I wouldn't sack him either. I don't think, like, who would you even get in? Well, my worry is as well, I would agree with Owen, we're gonna go, I think we're going to get Potter. You know, That's what we're going to do. End of the year, we'll get Potter in. And I don't know if it'll even make a difference. We're not going to sign anyone in January. I would be shocked if we do. Uh, as you said, the next few games are vital. It, like We're sitting in January. This time last year, League Cup, semi-final. Uh, we were still in the Europa League, challenging top four. And now we're sit- and still in the FA Cup. And now basically our whole season rest on the FA Cup. I know top four, there's still a possibility, but I, I just don't see it. The performance the other day I thought was poor again. We got totally outplayed at home. You know, we're moments SE. Again, Rashford, good moment. Uh, he did play a bit better, but still the, the quality just isn't there. And it's just I think it's just gonna be a long season and I know I'm not the most optimistic, but when you watch United play, how can you be optimistic? For me, there's nothing really there. I know Garnacho's playing okay, you know, young striker and all, but it's just, it's just been a terrible season. Like, our top assister is Bruno in the Premier League with three assists. Like, I think Bruno has definitely took a step back. I know you can say his stats and all this, he's creating these chances, but 
is he he's not doing enough for me and we were moments FC we're taking sh- long shots we're do- we're just hoping we're praying and the- another thing is as well our set like uh, another thing about the coaching the manager which I will say is our set pieces are terrible we can't score from them and we can see them constantly you've seen Spurs scored one at the weekend they should have scored another one hit the crossbar any time a cross comes into the box we're nervous we look like we're going to concede like where, where's the coach in there we're like you know and there's no style of play you know he brought Mount in he wanted Mount I know Mount's been injured but he also was terrible before that we said on the podcast last year how poor he was you know he brought in Onana he put it you know and he keeps playing him that that's a surprise like we kept Onana to play against Spurs and he was terrible. And then he went to he went to play Cameroon the next day and he conceded another stupid goal. You know, his confidence is shot and I think a change needs to be made in nets and, you know, this keeper that we have now is going to get a chance at that. But for me, it's just, I just don't know where the optimism is going to come from because I we play Villa soon as well. We're not going to win that. It's just, I think I think our season's practically nearly over. It's, it's just the FA Cup, that's it. Well, hopefully we draw a few shitters in the FA Cup and we can get a good run in it because if we come up against any sort of Premier League opposition, I kind of look at it and I go, ah, there's a chance we get a, a good duffin here, to be honest. Like, um, No, look, I, I understand what you're saying, Connor. It is it is very difficult to be optimistic about United at the minute. You know, Oren, I know you are, are, are optimistic about United and, and I am trying to stay positive. I really, really am. But I kept saying it for weeks there. I was like, I'm actually rapidly falling out of love of football, to be honest. Like when United are playing, like this I actually I don't I actually don't want anything to do with football I've been watching the basketball more than I've been watching the football because I actually can't stomach sitting watching United for 90 minutes it actually makes me the thought of it makes me feel sick to be honest I, I ugh, can't be bothered <laughs> cannot be bothered <laughs> um but anyway lads we will go to the the, the final team that we're going to be talking about here today um and, and I saved Man City for last in particular because you know, United's having a poor season and, you know, their, their neighbours, Man City, so far are also having a, a bit of an up and down season. I don't want to say it's been poor because, you know, you look at the squad, you look at the injuries um, that, that they've suffered this season. And you can understand to a certain degree why they're maybe not top of the league at this stage. But Oren, after winning the treble, you know, the talk was, could they continue? Could they push on? And in those first sort of four league games, they did still look themselves, you know, they looked like the best team in the world. But really from about, you know, mid-September, end of September, they have taken drastic dips in form and they've lost some silly games this season. Um, what, what what do you think's going on in Man City, really, at this current moment in time? Mm, okay, to be honest, I, I wouldn't be too worried about Man City if I was a Man City fan. I think as long as Rodri is fit, Manchester City win. I think he's the most important player in world football. Um, I don't think he's the best player in world football, but I think he's the most important player in world football. Um, if Manchester City, you see, you see the difference without uh, Rodri. You know when he was he was red carded there. I think the loss to, to Wolves, um, and the loss the the next game after that and all as well. I think who was that against? Um, they lost two in a row. Didn't yeah, they? lost against Wolves and then Drew yeah. or something. Yeah, no, no, the the lost two on the bounce when he lost was missing. Arsenal, like. uh, lost Arsenal. It was a it was a bad bad. <laughs> Lost, lost Arsenal, Arsenal and the lost in the Champions League without him as well. He didn't play. That's he right. didn't play in the Champions League for whatever reason. And like you know, when Rodri when a little bit I can't even speak when Rodri is in the team, and even Erling Holland isn't in the team, Manchester City have the quality to create goals. If the quality to score goals, it doesn't matter if Erling Holland's in the team. Obviously, if they've got Erling Holland, that's ten times better. Same with Kevin De Bruyne. 
what they've got two and to be honest this season I would say they've got three players in each position that's world class can fill in and start an 11 um, and it shows the calibre of Manchester City but Rodri in my opinion determines how Manchester City is going to play because if, if Rodri's there I think they can be much more attacking because they know they've got that safety net of him in behind whereas if they've got you know Kovacic or something to play in that position you know they, they might have two players playing in Rodri's position and, and that that depletes them attacking ways um, but look we're talking about Manchester City being poor and if we're being realistic it is poor based on their standards not poor to the league standards but poor based on Manchester City standards however saying that it genuinely would not surprise me Manchester City won't win the treble again Look, it's you, you never, you know, you never rule them out. And I know last year was our, our first year of doing the podcast, and you know, myself and Connor had ruled them out essentially. You know, we were very adamant that that Arsenal were going to go on and win the title, and you know that's why this season I'm very much sticking to no, no, I'm not, I'm not betting against Man City. Um, however, you know, Connor, me and you were at times last season a bit critical of City and a, and a bit critical of how they were going about playing their football and then you know suddenly they exploded into life and you know the treble was on and they ended up they ended up being only the, the second English team to go on and do that um but look Connor looking at them this season you know there are multiple performances you know Wolves as Oren already highlighted you know that Wolves game especially without Rodri that but they didn't even create. It's not even as if they were bad defensively. Like they didn't even look like scoring in a game like that. You know, you've players like Grealish who has got very, very limited minutes this season. And you know, I think there's there has been underperformances in there as well, particularly, you know, from players who were really good last season. You know, the likes of Ake, you know, hasn't really stepped up um this season either. Haaland has had his injury troubles, of course. Like he still scored a load of goals, don't get me wrong. But you wouldn't even say that his performances in games have been as good as what they were last season. But now that De Bruyne is back, do you think that, you know, the second half of the season they're just gonna do the same as what they did last year and explode into life. Yeah, definitely. They're one of the two points behind Liverpool. Just got a last minute winner. De Bruyne come off the bench, changed the game. Uh, you know, especially Rodri as well. Unbelievable. Even his goals, he's contributed to the team. And for him not to get in the World XA is a is a disgrace. To be honest, I don't know if you've seen that he didn't get in the World XA, which is mental. But uh, I think that the one weakness for City is the goals to concede. I've uh, seen this year they've conceded 23 goals. Last year, I think they conceded 33 in the whole of the league. And the year before, I think it was 26. So I think at the back, there are, you know, you can get at them. Even Newcastle there, Gordon scored a great goal on them. And uh, Isaac scored a good goal. Uh, I thought Walker had a poor game. I think Diaz, you can kind of get at him. He is a good defender, but he can get at him. As you said, Aki, I think, in centre half, hasn't been as good this season. And even uh, Gavardiol. You know, defensively he's okay, but going forward he hasn't been great. But we're saying all these things about City and they're still two points off the league. We know they're going to win the league. They're going to win the FA Cup probably and win the Champions League. Because last year we doubted them. And the only reason really I doubted them last year was because they weren't playing well and they were about, I think they were five, five or six points behind Arsenal. And Arsenal were flying. And they still easily won the league. I think they won with two games to go. And they won the treble. So, you know, they're getting Haaland back, De Bruyne. Like Haaland has 14 goals in 15 games. Just unbelievable. And, you know, even I think another player that goes under the radar is Bernardo Silva. I think he is a huge player for City. And I think he is one of, he's really underappreciated because even looking at the stats, like six goals and four assists, but even his work rate 
you know, on the ball, he's unbelievable. I think it's a real... I know David Silva is counted as the, the great Silva for City, but I think Bernardo Silva is definitely putting himself in the conversation now because he, he has been one of City's best performers for the last five or six years since he signed for Monaco. What a signing. And, you know, even that guy who came off the bench, your boy Bob, or I think I said a 20-year-old from Norway, he just come in, scores a goal. Um... But uh, yeah, dude, that's the thing about Grealish too. He came on in front of Grealish. He's a hundred million pound player, and no, and no one, no one bats an eyelid at that because it's Pep, and he comes in and scores. So yeah, for me City. It's just it, the only thing about City I have to worry about is their charges, their hundred and fifteen financial fair play charges, because I think they're going to walk the league and they're going to win the treble again. Yeah, well, I think they've now said that it'll be like twenty, like the end of twenty twenty five, before they're even going to get round to like addressing the majority of those charges. So, I, I think we, we've a while to wait yet, lads. We might be in our, our third season of the Bottom Pins podcast before we're talking about City and their charges. Um, but look, uh, just actually, Connor on Bernardo Silva. I'm glad glad you brought him up. Um, he is such a talented player, and it is mad, you know, when we think of the echelon of. Like the echelons of great Premier League midfielders, you know, even that have played for City in recent years, you know, we think Yaya Toure, David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, Rodri. And, you know, a lot of people probably would, you know, maybe forget to mention Bernardo Silva's name, but I completely agree with you, Conor. I think he's one of the most underappreciated players in world football. He is absolutely unbelievable. I think every team in the Premier League would kill to have a Bernardo Silva. The role that he performs at, at City. Like, at last last year, times, lads, like, Bernardo Silva was playing, like, left-back for them. He was covering that much of the pitch, and that's not traditionally his game, but he's obviously an incredibly coachable player because, like, the stuff that he gets, the, the tactical instructions that he must be given, he carry, he obviously carries them out to perfection. There There's a reason why, like, you think about it, boys, any time a player has sort of, you know, wanted to leave Man City. Man City are like happy to let them go because they'll always go back into the market and replace them. But like Bernardo Silva has been linked away for what about three years now, two years now, three years now, and City are adamant that they're gonna they're gonna keep a hold of him. Like they will not let Bernardo Silva go. He is obviously that important to Pep that he's almost an untouchable in that City squad. It's almost like no, like no amount of money in the world will will take uh, Bernardo Silva from from Manchester City, but. Um, just quickly before we end and um, the, the podcast lads I just want to quickly touch on on the relegation battle in the Premier League I know very much we, we focused there on, on, on the big boys up at the top end of the Premier League there was a couple we didn't get to talk about the likes of Newcastle and Chelsea but I don't think we would have many positives to say about either either side to be honest so we'll, we'll maybe just keep that one to ourselves for now um, Oren it's been tight down at the bottom um, and you know the reason I want to touch on relegation is because you know Everton had another um, another letter sent to the club about potential um, points being deducted from them um, we've never seen something like this before points being deducted twice in, in one season um, in any major European league so how just touching quickly on that one scenario how much of a factor is that going to be ultimately in, in the relegation race could be huge, could be could be huge. Like, don't get me wrong. I think Everton, um, even if they get another ten points deduction or whatever it is that they, they could get, I still think they might be okay somehow because they're playing brilliant football for for their level, their recent level. Do you know what I mean? Um, they don't deserve to be in a relegation battle, but if they get another ten points deduction, 
could be very difficult. It would change the landscape of everything. I think Luton Town are proving to be a very um, difficult away uh, away fixture to go to at Kenilworth Road. You know, we're seeing the big boys really struggle and, you know, last minute results um, coming for both Liverpool and Arsenal at, at Kenilworth Road. Um, you know, there's some there's potential for big upsets there. Um, so, you know, Luton's not necessarily out of the realms of possibility staying up. I think there is three or four teams down at the bottom this you know they could all go down or they could they could genuinely stay up I think Burnley's as good as down in my opinion I don't rate Burnley at all um again Sheffield United I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of I don't think they'll they'll amount to anything in, in the second half of the season but and I know Luton's probably in the worst position of all of them but in terms of the football they play and the results they nearly get if they can turn them nearly into something even if it's just straws you know they could they could prove a lot of people wrong but even Nottingham Forest if they get a 10 point deduction or whatever the point deduction is that's vital for them like that is huge for them um the landscape of the Premier League in terms of the relegation battle could really be changed in the next few weeks yeah and it mightn't be based off results yeah no completely agreed Orin completely agreed Connor you know in our pre-season predictions Orin I know you you weren't actually there for them but you know in our pre-season predictions Connor we we were very similar um in our choices in the bottom three um you had Everton in there I think and I had Wolves that, that was the only interchangeable side that we had that was in that relegation um contention but you know, this news about Nottingham Forest as well, possibly getting points deductions. And I feel like, you know, even having to talk about points deductions is, it's it's, it's a bad state of affairs when, you know, that could ultimately decide a Premier League season. But, you know, all three of us at least at one point of the season have said, top half of the Premier League is probably the strongest we've seen it in terms of the actual squads, the managers. But the bottom half is prob- probably the poorest that we've seen in terms of relegation battles because the squads don't really seem to amount to anything. But, you know, as Oren just highlighted there, you know, Luton are proving a lot of people wrong. You know, I know, Connor, in our predictions, we both had them at 19th. We didn't think they would finish rock bottom. We actually reserved that space for, for Sheffield United. But, look, is there any sort of major upsets or any... Any teams that you've looked at this season in particular and thought they're really in for contention and I didn't think they would be? I think Brentford would be one. I know they lost Ivan Tony, but they're only, I think, three points outside the relegation zone. I thought they yeah. would be, you know, last year they had a great season. I thought they'd be towards the top half, but they've really slipped without Ivan Tony. Uh, they've had some poor results. So I've been shocked by them. Uh, I thought Wolves would struggle. They've actually done really well. I thought Burnley would do a lot better. They've been terrible. Like Burnley and Sheffield United are down, uh, and they're not. You know, Burnley don't even look like they're going to make a managerial change. They kind of have accepted the fact they're going to go down and then just try and yeah. rebuild again. You know, next year. Uh, for Everton, I, like I did think they would struggle, but I have to give them credit. They played really well, and they're really unlucky to be in the position they're in because I think they would have been like twelfth or thirteenth if they didn't get the ten point deduction. As you boys said, if it's all going to come down to Forster, they're four points behind Luton. If they get a 10-point deduction, they're in big trouble. And if Everton yeah. get that 10-point deduction, I think it'd be very difficult for them to come back from it. You know, even psychologically to lose that many points, 20 points, which would be mental. I don't know if they'll get that. Yeah. I don't know the ins and outs of that. But especially when are they going to get this uh, penalty? It could be near the end. They don't know. You know, that that's yeah. going to be huge as well. So I think the two, we know they're definitely down to Luton. I've surprised everyone, though. I think I said 19th, but I, I was slagging a lot of their players. They've played really well, especially at home. Even against City, they played really well at home. You know, as Owen said, Arsenal, Liverpool, they got a point against 
uh, Liverpool. Uh, so, you know, that could give them motivation if uh, Forrest and Everton, you know, get that deduction. So, for me, I still think the three that'll go down is uh, Luton, Burnley and Sheffield United. But, you know, the, it's, it's, gonna, it's crazy to think like it's going to come down to will teams get deductions? Because it might be, they might enforce it next year. You just don't know. Yeah. No, completely true. Completely true. And I do completely agree with, with everything you've said there, Connor, to be honest. I think, you know, Brentford, definitely. That's, <laughs> I don't think any of us would have said that Brentford would have been as low down the table as, as what they are. They're, they're, they they really just need to get Tony back at this stage, to be honest. And, you know, hopefully when they do get Tony back, they will start to pick results up again. Because um, I don't think he's going to be leaving in January, to be to be completely honest. I can't see a team coming in with 60, 70 million for, for Tony in, in January. Um, I think that'll be a summer a, a summer exit for, for Ivan Tony. Um, but I think that's going to do it um, for this episode, folks. Uh, thank you very much for, for tuning in. Um, if you are listening to us or watching us on, on uh, YouTube, please give the video a like. Please hit that subscribe button. Um, you know, if you can do that there, you'd really, really help us out in terms of the algorithm because, um, you know, we don't have that many subscribers and we'd like to have a few more. And again, similar, if you're watching on Spotify, please go and hit that follow button. It, it helps to push our podcast right up the algorithm and can hopefully open us up to a new a new avenue of listeners, really. Um, as always, you can find us on uh, TikTok, Instagram and uh, Twitter. It's at Bottom Bins Pod. We're now also on Facebook. It's the Bottom Bins Podcast over there. So please go and give us a follow. Go and give us a few likes. There's plenty of content over there. Orn's been working like a madman these last four days to get to get reels out. Um, and thankfully they're performing really, really well. So look, please go over there. Give us a follow. Help us out, guys. Just, just help us out. It's completely free. It doesn't take up too much of your time. And you'll be doing us a massive, massive favour. And as always, thank you for listening. And keep it bottom bins. Keep it bottom bins. Keep it bottom bins.